Yes. You are now listening to the sound of Sports Reports is ordered. And yo, I've been watching all this media picking Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. San Francisco out here feeling like Antonio Gates. <laughs> Tonight, we're going to preview this here Super Bowl. We're going to talk about who's going to win this game and what it means for either team if they win. And then we're going to recap the thing that we had yesterday that impersonated a trade deadline. <laughs> we're going to talk about that. But do me a favor. Some likes, some subscribes, some sharing. It's all free. We're in your building. The one and only. World famous. Even killed. Virginia born. New Jerusalem representing. Veteran. <laughs> Dedicated father. And I'm sorry, United States Air Force, he's not coming back. I ain't coming back. Don't send me no emails. I yes. ain't coming back for nothing. He's carrying the torch all the way from Trenton to T-Neck with a stop in Millville. <laughs> Don't bring feelings to a fat fight. Not at all. Mr. Lott. Not at all. You're... Yeah. Don't, don't hit me with no emails. <laughs> no emails, baby. I'm out. I ain't coming back. I don't think anybody's coming back. I told my father today, like, I, I'm going to get a job as a consultant for the Air Force, and all I'm going to do is sit in meetings in the back and say, that's stupid. <laughs> don't even put that out. And yo, coming to you live from the Alamo. Come and take it. Be more representing, whether it's Morgan State, Coppin State, the Terps, even UMES, Loyola, Towson, UMBC. Ask Virginia about them. <laughs> I am. Two five. And yes, I represent Mount St. Mary's too. So we're going to get this thing started with my favorite thing called Get It Off My Chest. So, as Force Reports' order tells you all, Get It Off My Chest doesn't have to be negative. It's just more fun when it is. Sometimes. You know, I try to be positive. You know, I could have came on here and talked about the one and only late great Kobe Bryant. But sometimes I still get a little choked up when I see him or when I hear his name. I turned on the TV today and he was just on there talking and I was like, who did that? You know what I'm saying? So I ain't even ready to go there. But what I am going to talk about is something that me and Mr. Logical has brought up before. It's a question. Boxing. What the hell you doing? So, I appreciate title fights on ESPN with known fighters. I appreciate it. On a Thursday night, though, like, main event was what? Probably like 11, 11.30 East Coast time or so, somewhere around there. But then that's not the part that got me igged, though. This is the part that got me aggravated, though. I'm, I'm, you know, said back in the day, I'm vexed right now. Oh, vexed. Yeah, because I was watching Tia Fomo, Tia Fimo Lopez, and Jermaine 
Ortiz fight last night on ESPN. And this was a great fight if you're into boxing. Now, now listen to what I'm saying. If you want to see a fight, this was not it. But if you're into the sweet science, strategy, and footwork, tap two times and back up, this was your fight. But of course, we can't enjoy boxing without talking about the judges. Because I don't know how the hell you outland somebody and lose the fight 117 to 111. Now, granted, he only outlanded him by like four or something like that, but still. But as I was watching this fight, I had a bad boxing memory. It was around 2001 or so. I was watching Oscar De La Hoya against Tito. You know what I'm You remember Tito? You know what I'm saying? Uh, Trinidad, they were fighting, and Oscar dominated him for the first five or six rounds of the fight. And then he started doing some cardio, dancing around the rest of the fight. Tito was coming forward, not landing a damn thing, but he was the most aggressive. Right. He was the aggressive fighter. So they gave him the fight. So when I was watching last night, Teofimo became the aggressor later in the fight because I think Jermaine Ortiz thought, which he should have been correct, that he had probably won five out of the first six rounds. But the problem was. He was trying to be Floyd Mayweather, throw a couple of times shots, get up out of there. But the difference was Floyd was landing them. Floyd was otherworldly accurate. He wasn't. Tio didn't even let loose in this fight until the final minute of the fight. So this is my problem. This is the crux of my get it off my chest. Don't tell me the challenger didn't do enough to beat the champion when the champion didn't do enough to prove that he was the champion. You know, boxing, man, it's, it's the same. It's the same story. Every time these guys can't put themselves in a position where they come down the list because they don't make fights. We just saw Shakur retire a couple weeks ago and from what I read, it was more of the business of boxing, and right. then we got Haney and Garcia that made yeah, the fight in April. Yeah, so it's like, what's why aren't we getting these fights? Because they talk enough, they talk enough shit to each other, they know each other, they've known each other through different boxing rounds and different pieces. So it's like, go for it, go, but they can't because the way the way boxing is set up, I can't even look bad in a fight. Or I can't go up and wait, or I can't allow you to fight at a weight you're comfortable at, and I'll meet you. Whatever the case may be, it's like they keep putting themselves in a position where I got to set up every domino to where it's leaning towards me having the advantage before the training even starts. And everyone's trying to work these advantages into contracts and everything else. So having a fight on a Thursday was probably just to check this box off. Right. Let's check this box off so we can keep doing whatever boxing wants. And that's that's the problem because UFC Dana White for you could love him or hate him, he has like that same kind of bravado, ego, egomaniacal kind of behavior that we expect out of UFC because people kind of treat the UFC like it's a grudge match, like it's a street fight. 
he has that street fight kind of personality. I don't know who's in charge of these boxing organizations. You hear yeah. about the promoters, but mm-hmm. I don't know who, like, I don't know who the guy is that is the last the head of the WBC the head, or whatever. The head yeah. of the WBC, the guy who makes who says, okay, this is the fight, this is the date, this is location. Well, I don't I know, know who these people are. Well, I know that and this I think because of that, there's no person to, like it's not personable. Well, I, I know this week no one to root uh, for or against. Well, I know this week Bud Crawford has been saying, like, me and Canelo have to make this happen. Like, this is the biggest fight that's out there. And the thing is, is that I don't want you to make a fight just because it's the biggest fight. You know what I mean? Like, I want you to make a fight that makes sense. Like, to me, and I'm no boxing aficionado. I love boxing. I love watching it. Been watching it since I was a little kid. But I yeah. wouldn't dare call myself an aficionado. Yeah. But, like... You know, saying, uh, but when I think about it, I'm like, why Shakira got to retire? He should be fighting Tank right now, you know, or Haney and Garcia's cool, but Garcia lost the Tank. So, like, there's a pecking order, or at least there should be. But that's the thing that pecking order is the problem. The pecking order doesn't make sense because there's so many different organizations that give out belts. And I'm pretty sure I'm, like I said, not aficionado. I imagine that the stipulations that govern the rankings for each one of these organizations are probably different. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like I said, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem or feel as if there's a real flow to the decision-making. So you have some of these guys take, like I, I think it's uh, Abdul Wahad. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Um, his fights. Like him and Garcia, he said years ago, that dude's not rated for me. His tendencies are so bad, I tear him apart. But just the years of the, the showing up to different events, putting it on Instagram, putting it on Twitter, slash X, whatever the case may be, I think that kind of built it to a fight. That the rest of those guys should have just ran with that momentum. Because the heavyweight fights, we're losing, we're losing our... Tyson Fury was the Tyson Fury Wilder. That was the fight that became very one-sided very quickly. Anthony Joshua was supposed to be the next guy that hasn't worked. De- Deontay Wilder. You could tell when he got punched in the face in his last fight, literally he got shut out in a 12 round fight that he might be done. So these smaller guys, the guys that I think people see on social media more, they had a great opportunity to just run it. What Bud Crawford did to Earl Spence, Earl yeah, Spence, I was just about to ask. Where's Earl Spence? Do the rematch. Get where's yourself Spence right at? and do the rematch because I'm thinking like this. He beat you so bad in the first fight that I think the rematch, you might have an advantage. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But you're playing with house money. Because mm-hmm. he, can't, he can't come out and it be closer than it was last time. Because he dominated so bad. So, like, I think it allowed him to be a little bit more free. Because, like, you lost to a dude that beat you badly before. You had mm-hmm. a regroup. And he came back and beat you again. Then the information is just, he's better than me. But if you come back and beat him, then the first fight is going to look like a fluke. Mm-hmm. You know, so then you get the third rematch. So, while that's happening, <laughs> yo, let me get Garcia and Abdul Wahad again. And then let me get Haney, Shakir, like. 
they could have they could have cornered the market for the next from the time the Bud Crawford fight ended. Each these other two fights could have been made. Earl Spence Bud Crawford rematch could have happened already, and I mean it's just like they they could have been the center focus of boxing. And, and apparently Jake, Jake Paul took it over for like a year. All of 2023, all we talked about was Jake Paul. Apparently I need to watch more TV because I didn't even know that the Fimo Lopez fight was last night until the day before. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's just weird on a Thursday at anyway, but I know Keith like Thurman. You you, they could have fought on Saturday. It's not like the Super Bowl is going to take away from that. Yeah. I know Keith Thurman um, is fighting next month against Tim Sue, um, Haney and uh, Garcia in April, you know, so I mean, I guess we got a chance here, but I haven't heard anything about Spence, you know, Bud is out here calling out Canelo. So I don't even know who the next challenger in his division is, you know? So like, I don't, I don't know That's where we're going. Thing. So like we got the names that we know, those guys got to put the show on because if you want, I think a lot of people Boots, Boots Ennis wanted to fight him, but Bud, you know, I guess isn't looking at that right now. Because you can't lose. It's just, yeah, boxing just yeah. needs a better structure to the the win-loss. You know impact. what boxing is? Boxing then turned into everybody trying to duck Boise State. <laughs> <laughs> like I, mean, I remember everybody was complaining about Boise State. They're so overrated. Oh, they play in that weak conference. It was like, well, 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 Ohio State put them on the schedule. Like nine out of ten, you're gonna have them come to the big house anyway, or it's gonna you're be neutral site. You're not going to Boise. So, like, why don't you beat them and we don't even have to talk about them anymore? You know, that is that simple. You could just beat Monroe State University of Technology or whatever and yeah. it your championship so mr logical Ooh, speaking yeah. of speaking of advertising mm -hmm. you know we do have a league that got it right there's a game on sunday it's a rematch from a super bowl four years ago is this game going to be any different than that game i've been i've been predicting a score with like like my head not really like not 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 really my head, not intelligently. Like I just kind of just like winging it. It's like you know what, it's gonna be a blowout because most people don't call blowouts. I've been thinking about it, and I'm just gonna stand on it. I got KC winning 37. I mean 31, 17. Very similar to the New Orleans Indianapolis game. I'm thinking a mistake turns the tide. I got Kansas City getting er an early turnover because Brock Purdy, like, you know, people call him a system quarterback, game manager, night game changer, all this stuff. is it's, it, That's irrelevant. He throws the ball with great anticipation. Certain routes to Kittle and Ayuk, a lot of seams, a lot of, Passes in between, like under over the linebacker, underneath the safety. Great passes. I just think with two weeks to prepare, Spags is going to either pressure him up front and create a, a bad throw or mm -hmm. just do such a good job disguising his coverage. Because 
like we talked about Brock Purdy and and the 49ers when they are behind or like kind of in the struggle, you go with what you know. So if you get down in that 10-0, you're you know, 10-0, maybe 14-0 in the second quarter, it's like, okay, we need to make a play. What do we have? Like what what plays do we have? Well, I'm pretty sure the analytics guys know, hey, San Francisco has like eight, eight go-to plays in these situations. I'm just throwing out an arbitrary number. Mm-hmm. Spag's like, all right, bet. So when we get this look, you free safety, I want you on the snap of the ball to just come firing down here. Because this is his first read here. This is the second one. And by then, I'm going to get Tranquil or Bolton in one of these gaps to get the pressure on. Big I game Bolton. I think a couple of those plays happen early. Um, I think Kansas City, because Kansas City, we think it's all Patrick Mahomes. And we think it's just it's going to be Mahomes and Kelsey. But if it is, those guys don't run traditional routes. Kelsey does a lot of stuff where he just like runs and he looks and he's like, I think Patrick's going to throw me this ball. Because I've seen like a couple of times that they're mic'd up. Like Kelsey ran a route. He was in the end zone. And he like did this and just just turned around and the ball was there. And then they went to the sideline. He's like, how'd you know I was going to do that? He's like, how'd you know I was going to do it? He's like, I know I just felt like he was going to turn around. I was like, so I threw it. He's like, yeah, when I turned around, it was right on me. Kelsey does that a lot. So if I know San Francisco doesn't like to blitz, they like to get there with their front four. Well, if Chase Young does not give you the effort, that might give Mahomes another second to slide, Kelsey to slide over. Now that third and seven is a 13-yard game, and they're they're moving and grooving. So I like if if I'm at San Francisco, I'm thinking it's gonna be a lot of stuff to McCaffrey in the flats because mm-hmm. Baltimore did not take advantage of that at all. Mm-hmm. So if Kyle Shanahan can see that and Brock Purdy can see that and they can go to that, then I think they can keep drives going. I just have a feeling that that seam route that I always like really? to run, <laughs> Brock Purdy's going to throw it into one of the safeties. So, so I've been going back and forth on this game like it's an SAT question. <laughs> like literally ever since San Francisco won the NFC championship game, I've been dreading having to have this conversation because I have no idea who's going to win this game. Like, if I just go by our theory, you know, uh, the simplest answer is the best answer. Then I feel like San Francisco has to win. Because I feel that San Francisco has more playmakers, you know, offensively and defensively. Now, Kansas City has the better defense. You know, the people that you name, Tranquil, Jones, Bolton, Sneed, you know, McDuffie, they have players, but San Francisco has a Fred Warner. They have a Greenlaw. You know, they have a Bosa who I believe is going to have a great game this weekend. You know, he's going to abuse Kansas City's offensive line, in my opinion. But if we think about this real quick, Detroit did score 24 points rather easily in the first half on this this playmaking defense. We're gonna get to we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. Just just throwing hey, out there. Yeah, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. These two teams did play last year. You know, obviously this was before Brock Purdy. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo had a 300 yard game, but the Chiefs walked away with a three touchdown victory because they attacked the perimeter. 
people like Nicole Hartman, you know, the ghost of Nicole Hartman and all that, you know, throwing it out in the jet sweeps to the sidelines, screen passes, all these type of things to take advantage of what San Francisco does defensively. Now, to your point, San Francisco is going to do the same thing, you know, but the difference is, is that I don't think San Francisco is going to be able to just sit back and point out where the blitz is coming from accurately every time. The good news is Brock Purdy's the best quarterback statistically against the blitz this year. He's also completing 62.3% of his deep passes. You know, so no quarterback. I've said this a couple of weeks in a row now. No quarterback has thrown for 300 yards against Kansas City. So this is my question. Can Kansas City get there in their base? Because I know Spags likes to play a lot of nickel, a little bit of dime, and bring some blitzes out of that. They're not going to be able to do that because McCaffrey's going to eat all day if they do that. So they're going to have to stick into that 4-3, and they're going to have to get pressure more traditionally than he may want to. I think he can stick with the nickel because you're going to want to put a defensive back on McCaffrey as much as possible. You're going to want to limit how many times you have a linebacker in space trying to, you know, defend an option route with Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. Right. So I think you're going to have a lot of, you know, defensive, a lot of the, the, the your nickelbacks are going to play a, a huge role in this game. Mm-hmm. But just looking at, Granted, it was a couple like screenshots of the the Baltimore game after the fact, but even while I was watching it, it felt like they did a good job keeping Lamar in the pocket with their front four. Very disciplined rushing. If it, it was like it felt like they were like kind of dancing, like to mm-hmm. get back to Lamar, and then Lamar was helping them by not uh, by running backwards, not, not <laughs> running backwards or just sideways. Yeah, just if he, he steps, he drops back a couple more you know, a couple more yards because he, he is dynamic. If he drops back just a little bit, then maybe somebody opens up a rush lane for him and then he can scramble because mm-hmm. it wasn't that much going on in the flats defensively. Cause we saw in a few plays, like I said, that, you know, he get it to run back in the flats. They were, they were getting first downs. I think San Francisco will target that, but that whole, we haven't had a 300 yard passer against Kansas city. I don't know if I've seen Brock Purdy or Kyle Shanahan like hold back. Whereas we saw Kansas City once they got their two possession lead against Baltimore, it was very deliberate that they didn't take any shots. Mm-hmm. They didn't take anything over the top. They didn't. I don't think they threw a. Pull. I think the the deepest route I've seen them throw in the second half was that last play to MVS. When mm-hmm. Baltimore was coming, well, there will be there will be opportunity because Kansas City does a lot of split safety, so there will be a chance for that. You know, it's just going to be is Brock Purdy going to have the time to get it, or is, is he going to take the bait, or is he going to take the bait? Is he going to take the bait? Because I don't know if San Francisco is really gonna, like because you can't zone up against Mahomes because because his his favorite target is a zone buster mm-hmm. by by attribute. And by position, because he's a tight end. Right. The tight end, like they, I know they have Gray and they run Bell, the big back, big guy. And then Watson runs a lot of like 
the Kadarius Tony routes. You know, as a tight end, he's running more deeper routes. But they they're not gonna. I want to say waste the corner. I think they'll be. I think San Francisco will be good with the safety out there on him if he's in the slot if he's running a deep route. Right. But with Kelsey being in the middle, that's that's the damaging part because, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I said, they don't run traditional routes between those two. And then if you and then Watson's a big tight end, he gets on top of a safety. Mahomes is throw it to him. He trusts well, him. Well, he I will see you guys to get. Well, I will see your Kelsey, and I will raise you a Kittle, because I think Kittle's going to have a good game in this game as well. Uh, but to answer your question, to get back to what we were talking about or what we yeah. were about to talk about, San Francisco's in their two playoff games have given up 159 yards per game, rushing, and they came into the playoff the third best rushing defense in the league. They gave up 5.6 carries yards per carry combined to Detroit and Green Bay. But I think this is the problem and this is the solution. So if Jerk McKinnon McKinnon is available, I think that's another weapon that Kansas City can deploy, obviously to a lesser degree, but in the McCaffrey mold, you know, the guy that can get outside, catch the flat, get upfield. I don't know if Pacheco's that guy. And I don't think that I don't think that Kansas City is going to have success trying to run directly at San Francisco because the thing about the they'll do they'll do they'll do direct snaps for Pacheco. I think that's going to be the wrinkle for him. So so the thing about Detroit and Green Bay, you know, Green Bay had Aaron Jones and Detroit had Gibbs and Montgomery. I just don't know if one Pacheco is that caliber of back, and then two if Pacheco has that type of speed. He, that's the thing. He has power. He does have power, but that's the thing. He has power to the hole. So that's the advantage. So yeah, you, you might have speed to stretch. Kansas City will throw it on fourth and two. They'll throw it on third and one. They're running on third and one. They're running on third and six. They'll go direct snap. I think that Pacheco and the Pacheco just runs so hard. And low key, Edwards Hilaire. I was like, you know, I just wish they had a different back. In the playoffs, I've watched they run the same kind of mm-hmm. they call it the same kind of run plays when he's when he's in there because it's the same battering ram. Because I right, I think Kansas City has adjusted to we don't have the dynamic playmakers all over the field like these other teams that we played. They don't have they didn't have Waddle and Claypool as a you know a speed guy and a big guy, mm-hmm. and then you throw Hill and then Mostert in into that mix. They have guys like Bell, who was a college quarterback at Oklahoma. And then you got Gray. They're pretty much, they look pretty much the same, 81, 83. And then you get Watson. You're, you know, so then you have, obviously you have Kelsey, but their, their outside threats are just not as dynamic. Well, that I, was going to be my I next question. Like is, they've, they've done that in the playoffs, but I think they've adjusted to not throwing the ball 40 times. Well, that was going to be my next question is can Rasheed Rice, win enough battles against former chief ward you know that's going to be a question that i think comes into the into play in determining the result of this game as well if you they know, go so- man they're going to if then this is the thing i think if they go man when when miami gets man defense or cincinnati gets man defense or even like chicago these guys these teams with these dynamic wide receivers it's go routes Mm-hmm. They want to go over the top every time. When Kansas City gets man, they do like the pick routes a lot. Mm-hmm. 
So you end up with a lot of drag routes. So you'll have two tight ends standing up with Rasheed Rice in there. And then one of them runs off. They're just big bodies. They just happen to get a little chicken wing in there in the flow. <laughs> <laughs> now you got Ward. He has to fight either underneath or over top. And it's like, why run it deep and give him an opportunity to run underneath the ball? Mahomes is going to just give him that drag route. Mm-hmm. Right, right behind, right, right in front of the linebackers. And can you turn it up field? Because so, that's how he got his touchdown against Miami, Rasheed Rice. And then right, right. you see how quickly, and then the, the BS hole call they called against Baltimore. It was they went bunch left, got it to him quick. So you neutralize the defenders, like the the cornerback is of no use. His his coverage skills are of no use if I get the ball out quick. So so then my other question was. Is Kyle Shanahan still at war with himself? I don't I don't know if that I mean we saw it with some some guys throughout you know different sports like LeBron talked about how he needed a sports psychologist after the Dallas series and he needed to kind of like wrap his head around it. We saw the the documentary with Kirk Cousins and he was constantly trying to get just mm-hmm. reaffirmation of his skills and his talent and he was constantly just talking up, talking, you know. So I don't know if Kyle Shanahan is going to think like, oh, man, I can't let this happen again because he can't do anything about those games. Right. He's not on the field, but he's not on the field. And he, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, know, the results of those games are two, three, four years ago. Historically, yeah, it, we will talk about it. But I don't know if he goes into the game thinking to himself, well, I no, can't he still lose does crazy game. stuff though. Like when Debo got hurt, he was trying to run Debo plays with Joan Jennings. Like he's still like it doesn't have to be should we run the ball or not, or should we like he just makes odd decisions. You know, it's almost like that whole smartest guy in the room thing where it's like they'll never expect me to do this. And it's like, yeah, they don't expect you to do that because it's dumb. It's probably, like, it has it's probably not gonna work. I saw I was watching highlights yesterday. Us, it's just dumb. <laughs> I was watching highlights yesterday when Atlanta was up 28 to 12 with eight minutes and 30 seconds left. It was third and one from their own, like 40, give or take. Called the pass play, and that's when Matt Ryan got sacked and fumbled. Right. And I I didn't I've kind of like watched a lot of that game out of my head, but every once in a while it pops up on one of these these compilations that I like so much. And I was like why wouldn't you just run the ball there? Because even if you don't get it, you're punting it way down the field. Even if it's just a quarterback sneak. Like, and Devontae Freeman was killing him. Tevin Coleman was killing him. It's like, yeah. But like you said, smartest guy in the room. No one's going to expect me to call this pass route. And then when the Julio caught the ball at the 22-yard line after that, it was like, okay, cool. I, I, You didn't learn your lesson from the last drive. Now, now you right. close it out because now it's 20, 28 to to 20 because you gave up the you gave him the ball at the 30 yard line off the strip sack. Nah, we're gonna do it again. And it's just like right. He has to have learned by then. You would hope from so. now. Just like Chase but, Young, you brought up Chase Young. You would hope that with all the talk and talking about benching him, you would hope that on the biggest stage, he would want to reverse that. You want to he you think he would want to be Von Miller in this scenario? Yeah, you think so. You know what I mean? Um, you know, but obviously, if I'm Kansas City, I'm gonna make him prove it. It's time to show and prove. Now, so, now, who so- do you who do you? Because I know Philly did this last year against Bosa, where they just basically left them unblocked and ran right at him. 
So it just kind of they kept putting them in no man's land. Mm-hmm. I think Andy Reid, Nagy, and I think those guys can really come up with schemes like that because they have too much talent up front between mm-hmm. Gregory. He's a top 10 talent, Chase Young and Bosa, Greenlaw, Warner. Like it's it's chaotic what they have. I just think that this playoff run has kind of shown that Kansas City doesn't care what the pundits say. Now everyone's jumping back on, myself included, as far as like well, well, them. it's like judo. It's like judo. You use the person's momentum against them. So yes. use San Francisco's momentum against them. If they're aggressive, make them pay for it with short stuff that you can. You know, t- turn a three-yard gain into a six-yard gain. You know, things like that. Chew up a little bit of clock. You know, um, San Francisco. So you can't. So San Francisco cannot be Jekyll and Hyde in this game because both of their playoff games were at home, and they gave up twenty-six per game. You know, yeah. in those playoff games. But, but when I look at this, if San Francisco falls behind. They're not going to panic. They've been here. You can't live that way, but they've been there. So coming into the playoffs, you know, there was the question of what happens if Brock Purdy has a hole to climb out of. Can he do it? He's shown that he can. But playing yeah, against he got Kansas a lot of help. City, but playing against Kansas City. Oh, no, he definitely did. It's a team game. But playing against Kansas City. I'm talking about from the opponent. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. But, the opponent you know, gave him opportunities that. You know, um, San Francisco definitely doesn't want this to come down to a kick because Jake Moody won for three between 40 and 49 in the playoffs. You don't want that in that money. Around. You know, money and, Moody. Yeah, money Moody. So, um, is this Andy Reid's last game? You know, if they win, does he leave? If they lose, does he does leave? He leave? And but if he wins, and you know, this is a little you know side conversation we were having before we started. Goat talk. If he wins, if he wins, I'm doing it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, actually, it don't even matter if he wins. Like, yeah, I ain't gonna like, be that guy. Like, like, look, he doesn't have the stuff have. that Bel- he doesn't have the stuff that Belichick has, like as far as spy gate, as far as look at his record without Tom Brady, as far as look at him the last three or four years. Andy Reid made five straight NFC championship games with the Eagles. You know, made it to a Super Bowl, lost to Tom Brady. So this is what Andy Reid does. And as he opposed made six to, straight. He just made six straight AFC Championship. Yeah, games. so he's played in eleven out of something like the last twenty-two or twenty-three championship games. You know, he didn't have the Bill Walsh roster. You know, he didn't have the Jimmy Johnson roster this whole time or anything like that. And he played in this free agency constant changeover era. So like. And he got fired in the middle of it. And he got fired so in like, the middle of also, it. Like, normally when you get fired, you don't really – you don't get fired and move up. Not like, you know, NBA coaches when they get fired and, and they become, like, consultants and executives. I mean, you couldn't yeah. do this other job, but we're going to get this other one up here. Same suit. Right. Same tailor. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm so sick of GOAT conversations now because it's, it's – it's the, the sport's been going on too long and we have too many stats – like we could talk about, you know, in, in the hot box group chat, somebody posted the whole Troy Aikman, Andy Dalton. It's just too many stats now, and it's too many. Jay games. Lethal. So it's like <laughs> it's so much going on that like the goat talks are just getting, but they're they're getting dangerous. But like, I mean, I think what Andy Reid has done in Kansas City, and I know people always want to give one guy more credit. I heard someone 
today when we went to axe throwing say something and i wanted to engage it because I, I thought i heard it correctly but they alluded to patrick mahomes not being as good if he didn't go and play with andy reed i'm like he's an accurate quarterback whatever it is it's done like and i can't every take other team and City. every other team has really like most teams have a really most good quarterbacks are accurate yeah. <laughs> he's very he's very accurate and any other team, like say, if you'd went to that Chicago team, other than Trubisky, you could have made some. You could have made some some music happen. Yeah, him uh, and Moody would have had some fun, and Cole Komet. Cole Komet, and then you know people would have noticed this guy with this arm. Maybe it should come play with him. But uh, yeah. So I, I I like I like the legacy aspects that that can be cemented in this game. Uh, rooting for Brock Purdy is mr irrelevant yeah yeah it, it's it's such a it's such a good story like i'm not i'm not betting against brock purdy because that's i don't think he's talented i just think that if you just simply look at how each team plays one team it's just been better at baiting you into bad throws right one quarterback has made like they say passes that, that could have been inter- or mm-hmm. most turnover worthy plays. He's thrown in the coverage. So one team disguises their coverage well. The other guy, the quarterback, throws in the coverage. I think if that happens once or twice, you know, especially in one of those like those desperate downs at third and eleven, you know, you get a holding call, like hold like a first down holding call, like something like that that kind of puts you behind the chains. Mm-hmm. Or even a sack, just one, like just one of those drives that's just gonna happen. Whereas Kansas City, when they came out against in the, in the AFC Championship game, they moved right down the field, both drives. Right. Then and- got the turnover, and then they didn't go for. They went for the fourth down, didn't get it, but they looked fluid moving up and down. And then Baltimore. And can didn't. they win? Can they win third down defensively? They held Baltimore to three of eleven. You know, San Francisco has been over fifty percent in the playoffs on third down. So that's so that's going to be a big thing, fifty-seven point one to be exact. So that's going to be a big moment in this game. But you know what? All right, simplest answer because <laughs> I still don't know. But simplest answer is the best answer. So this is what I'm gonna do. We saw these two teams play in the Super Bowl four years ago. Kansas City is worse on offense, better on defense than they were at that time. San Francisco. I think is better offensively and defense than they were in that game. And they should have won that game. Now, with that being said, I think the difference between San Francisco and Kansas city's offense, the gap is bigger than the gap between Kansas city's defense and San Francisco's defense. So give me the 49ers. You guys have something interesting to talk about at dinner tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Give me give me the 49ers. I'm I'm taking the 49ers. Um but 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 keeping it in that same vein, you know, um Kyle Shanahan if he wins this Super Bowl, obviously it doesn't take away what he's done in the past. You know what I mean? But, you know, I think that It's going to be ridiculous. I think it's going to be ridiculous. I think <laughs> if they I, mean, would, I think it'll be vindication. 
I think it'll be vindication too, but I think I think people are going to take it too far. You know, um, I saw I was shocked by the spread. Um, I saw the last time I saw the spread it was San Francisco by two. So um, I can see a 27-24 type game. I think that's Every, I think with. people are picking that because it's just you know it's safe. Well, I mean San Francisco's the better team. You know, I mean, what, look, looking at the totality of the season, of the totality of the season. But if we look at the last season. three weeks, and, and but this is, but this look, is all for the, thing. the last. If we just looked at the playoffs, the post week eighteen, has I San Francisco think, looked like? How many minutes of San Francisco's games they played two games, right? So that's yeah. like one hundred and twenty minutes. Yeah. How many of those minutes have they looked like? the better team on the field maybe 15 no actually actually i'll give them a little bit more than that i'll give them the, i'll give them the second half so i'll maybe, give them the second yeah. half so i give you 30 minutes and i give you eight to ten against green bay i'll say 45 minutes you know but i would I'm also you say 40. i'm making but, you a third at a time but but i would also say that and i mean of course this is just a thought more than it is anything rooted in anything but I don't think San Francisco can play as bad as they did in those two games. Again, I don't think Kansas City can replicate what they did against Buffalo. What did Green you know, Bay do that was like so dynamic that had them struggling? Because I keep in mind, if that kicker for Green Bay makes the that field goal, San Francisco still needs a touchdown to tie. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as if they got to stop. But that's why. But that's and part of why I like San Francisco, back. though, because like I said, if they get behind, they're not going to panic. They're not going to go, "Oh, Patrick Mahomes is going to bury us." Like they've come back. I'm not saying that you want to live that way and you want to play every game that way, but it's a part of their DNA now. And I don't think they're I'll take panic. the more consistent team that played with lesser talent. The more in the consistent playoffs. team that didn't score in the second half last week or two weeks ago. But they, and, and, they, and, de- and, they deliberately didn't even try and, to score. They didn't. And there's been three other occasions this season that they haven't scored in the second half. Yeah, and I and I'll give you that. I'll, I'll give you that piece. But if, if you're thinking about wire to wire against Miami, Elo. Oh yeah, he's going off. Uh, my stream just stopped. But Miami, granted, it was like. Negative twenty-one degrees or something crazy. Right, right, right. Buffalo, a nemesis. McCall Harmon doesn't fumble at the goal line. They're going up eleven right there. So he doesn't fumble. Buffalo fake punt. Like I mean, we could do this all day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah. So like, because that's the thing. Do okay. Let me ask you this real quick. Do you think San Francisco's offense is better than Buffalo's? Yes, because and San Francisco Kansas, runs the ball, and 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 Christian McCaffrey's a better. It took Kansas City about three and a half quarters to stop Buffalo. So while you're talking about consistency, we got to tell the whole story, right? Like, yeah, yeah I get what you're saying. That. I get what you're saying, and I and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying, like. Like you're looking at it as like I, I look at, at it like that stuff. I, I look at it like did. I look at it like Kansas City of all the teams that's in the playoffs, the 14 teams that made it, they probably had the 13th ranked receiving core, maybe 14. I mean, if you maybe Tampa Bay, 
because Tampa Bay didn't really have like the tight end. If you think about like the baby goat, though. Yeah, that's all well and good, but the like, same way was... Tom Brady didn't have great receivers. You know what I mean? Like these quarterbacks, these great quarterbacks do this. Yeah, they like, do. like like you know what I mean. I can't expect somebody like Brock Purdy to go with Kansas City's receiving core and get the same results that Mahomes is getting. You know what I mean? But I can put Mahomes, and that's why I don't like when people make these comparisons and they're like, "Well, Tom Brady did this." Well, yeah, if you're going to compare him to the goat, there's no argument. Like, yeah, so, you it's, know, very, it's very difficult against a guy who has a a he has three Hall of Fame careers rolled into his one twenty-one <laughs> year career. Like it's it's just unfair. The thing that that I do like, and that when I was watching the Baltimore game and I was looking at it, thinking to myself, "Why did I pick Baltimore?" Something about Mahomes' face every drive. It never looks like panic ever. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be because they haven't been as explosive offensively this year. His frustration with, with the ref that one game, I thought that was more frustration with you're frustrated with the ref you're making a call, the team, you know but you're frustrated with the fact that this guy once again for the third time had a granted, he doesn't get that many touches, but like the third time he has had like a negative impact in a scoring play. Like, mm-hmm. you know, being all sides or dropping interceptions to the laps of the other team, so forth and so on. So I think that might have been part of it. But right. he probably was also like, finally, this guy makes a play and you, the ref, botched it. But any other time, it just looks like he just comes out. And that's why I said that whole second half, I really felt like when they were up 17-7, they were like, we're not going to do anything to give Baltimore momentum. We're going to keep Baltimore frustrated by just running the ball, holding the clock, watching it tick. Because you know when that clock's going, the the pressure's mounting mm-hmm. on the other sideline because mm-hmm. they're down two possessions. And they know we need the ball. They've been getting the ball, and they haven't been getting any points. So every Kansas City possession where they would run the ball, get a first down, you're working out three minutes. You get and a first it, it, down – you working off three to three, three to three and a half minutes if you if you time it right. And in that same vein, you know that third quarter, San Francisco against Detroit is the very best of San Francisco. You and know, because Detroit it, kept giving them the ball. It, it, Detroit it, it, didn't look at it like hey, they didn't look at the it a couple times. They didn't look at it. They, <laughs> they would have looked at the 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 game had just ended. The the Baltimore Kansas City game had just ended. If Dan Campbell would have looked at that and said, you know what? We're up three possessions. Let's try to maintain and stay up at least two Remember, I told you that right before the playoffs started. I told you, you know, that Dan Campbell does this. And then you I told me something along the line. Moment, in that I know, moment. Like, I know, but this is what he does. We have this. This is what he you does. You don't need to do anything different. It's like you just look at it like, we just dominated the first half, and then they got back in a position to to go back up seventeen points. It's like, even if your kicker is inconsistent, they come around. What like, I mean, they fumbled on a run play. It's not like golf was just throwing it. No, up. no, 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 no. I'm, t- I'm talking about when they when Kansas when San Francisco came out and they got a field goal to be down fourteen. 
and then Detroit came back down and got in field goal range where right. they could have just kicked forward, and gone yeah. back up 17. Right. Now you're back They're up three possession. Yeah. And they 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 ran, you know, they threw like the little pass or whatever. And I get that you like, oh, we can throw and get this yard, but it's like, but you can't go up three possessions. But to be with fair, to be fair, I mean to be fair, their kicker has had issues all year too. Of, like I don't want to make excuses for Dan Campbell. I don't want to make excuses, but it's like know, their kicker has had issues. Just because you convert that doesn't mean that you're gonna get points. That's the thing about sports, though. If they go kick that field goal and the kicker misses, people say it. You know you had a shitty kicker. Why you ain't go for it? That's nah, you know that happens. I don't think. I mean, I think people would have done that. Hero with a goat is whether the play succeeds or not. True. No, because I look at it like this: converting that first down. Like okay, for instance, if it's like fourth and four from the eight. Yeah, you could you a fourth and three from the eight. You probably have a four yard play in your bag. But completing that three yards doesn't get you points. It's like, we're at this point now. Let's just go ahead and get these points. Right. We're right here. Let's get these points. Fourth and one, I got plenty of fourth and one plays. I got so many things I can do on fourth and one. But I'm like, you know what? This is fourth and three, long three. It's almost four. Let's just go ahead and get these points, go on the Mm -hmm. sideline, put the pressure Mm -hmm. back on the other team. Right. You know, sometimes you just have to do that because converting that first down, <laughs> it, you probably would you probably would have been in another position. You had to kick a field goal again. You go just keep going for it on fourth down like it's high school football. I mean, you run more clock that way, I guess. I don't know, but you know, um, I, I agree that they should have went for the points there. You know, especially on the road against the better team, you're already dominating yeah, them. You you keep the like, crowd don't give out. Them any life. Kansas City literally kept the crowd out of the game. They didn't throw. <clears throat> They didn't throw any route in the second half other than the one to MVS when they went zero coverage deep. It's like, we're just going to keep the pressure on because Lamar was losing. Lamar's face was a complete opposite of Patrick Mahomes. Right. And the frustration and then Zay Flowers with the, the taunting. It just was like that. You knew like the that, that environment was like a powder keg anyway. The fans were waiting to explode. Kansas City was like, we're not going to give you that. Both uh, Detroit gave the home fans that 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 fuel, that energy, mm-hmm. and that's the difference when you talk about when they were running passes with you know with Juwan with Jennings and probably when they were running the Debo plays, yeah, the Debo plays. And that was against Green Bay, yeah. Like, but, uh, but, like just like Kansas City's not going to run the. They're not going to give snap the ball directly to Kelsey, have him run Pacheco plays. I mean, he's not going to just be getting the ball in the backfield and trying to like run for first. Like, they might do some herky jerky stuff like that. Oh, no, in Vegas, Vegas. huh? Yeah. But luckily, they're playing indoors. That is crazy. Such a better. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) I like it. You know, Shut up, right? but yeah, so so just to recap, you know, Mr. Logical is taking Kansas City by two Take touchdowns. City by two touchdowns. Yep. And then I'm taking San Francisco by a field goal because I'm a little bit more of a coward, I guess. I don't know. But uh <laughs> but uh yesterday the NBA went through their annual movement, but then of course there wasn't much 
superstar movement, so it wasn't as fun. But I didn't even care that there wasn't a lot of superstar movement. I just felt there wasn't a lot of good player movement. Uh, I think we're, like we talked about this in our pre-meeting, pull up the standings real quick. I think teams, I think the super team is done. At, at, because if you if you look across the league, the free agents and the trades of the offseason or even last season. So you got Bradley Beal went to Phoenix. That was a big move. James Chris Harden Paul. to L.A., Chris Paul. So all of those old head moves, a lot of that, that super team era, like this, the new wave super team, the post-2014 super team moves, none of them really allow you to have like real depth. Right. So most of the teams are now sitting around. You got two stars. Your top teams, you got two stars. And then you have a lot of role players. And it's not that many players to move. And we talk about like the the crop of young players that are coming in. They're not as seasoned coming in. So mm-hmm. it's not a lot. Like, I don't really want to move. I don't want to move my young guy for your young guy because I'm still working on my young guy. So if I'm still working my guy, how much better could your guy be or how much better could your 2028 20, draft pick be than what I currently have here? Like why even entertain moving these pieces around? It's like, the, okay. People talk about the Lakers not making a move. Like, okay, so you can move D'Angelo Russell, like who you getting back? You know, D'Angelo Russell has been traded like four or five times in his career. I didn't want it to John St. Mary, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to mortgage the future for that kind of player. Mm-hmm. And then what you're going to find yourself is that you're going to be the only team built like that. Cause the Clippers are, are dangerously close to being one of those teams that just are super top heavy. Yeah. Their dudes are just older. Yeah. Their dudes are just older. Phoenix was the same way. It's like, and like I said, you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of, of the move. Cause I thought a lot of these guys, a lot of those guys are just injury prone. So, but those are your three guys that you have. But if you look at Boston, Boston they need to really make moves. I think they might make a couple of simple things here and there. Yeah, they, they got they got a off. backup point guard. Um, you know, um, uh, another young backup point guard. They um Jaden Springer from Philly. They got uh Xavier Tillman from Memphis, which I think is a good pickup, especially since Horford's just another year older and um with old with age comes injury sometimes, or you know, just some yeah. nicks. You or know, just, Porzingis, rest. Yeah, Porzingis, Porzingis is an injury-prone guy. So you got another dirty player that'll get down and gritty, play some good defense in the front court, grab some rebounds. So this is the stuff that even though even though Boston made moves in the offseason to get Porzingis, to get Drew Holiday, this is the type of move that a championship team makes. But the thing that Boston has over the rest of these guys is that their two best players are young stars that are seasoned. Right. And then you add Porzingis, who is a, you know, they call him the unicorn. Right. So, like, this, their philosophy, their recent success, or their essentially consistent success, short of an NBA championship, but they've been consistent every year right. for the last five or six years. Right. Even with coaches like they're on their third coach out of this, this kind of this core group, they traded away Marcus Smart, but they still like they still have that talent. 
I think what it is, if I'm if I'm Dallas, I'm looking at the West like I don't think these teams are that much better than we are. You know, I don't think Dallas is looking at OKC like, man, we are really so far behind them. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams probably look, I think they're probably planning for, all right, if you're a team that's between six and nine right now, because we're looking at the Jazz potentially like coming back to the mean and then they're going to just mm-hmm. kind of fall off. Maybe the Warriors claw, crawl back in, but their guys are really old and one of their really old guys is like an I mean, offense a week ago and they lost yeah so he you know houston i don't really have them really making a run so if i'm out west on the pelicans kings mavs lakers i'm thinking i get the six i get the six i'll take on a thunder you know in the first round or I get the, you know, if I get the seven seed, you got to play to play in. You'll play to play in against maybe the Jazz or the Warriors. Like, I can handle that. I can handle that. Like, so I don't think any of these teams six through nine really feel like we're that much further behind, you know, Thunder at Mm -hmm. three, Clippers at four. And if you look in the East, it's kind of the same thing. It's a bottleneck. Sixers are like, yeah, we'll make a couple of moves here, but we'll get Embiid back. The Magic are a young team, probably not expected to do much. The Heat are going to just kind of rely on Heat culture. Pacers are a good team, but they're in a situation where you don't want to be eight. You don't want to be eight. I mean, with the Bucks, maybe the Cavaliers slip, but, you know, they've already played three more games than the Cavs, and they're, you know, three games behind them or a game and a half behind. Do you really fear the Knicks in the playoffs? Historically, hasn't really been like their recent history hasn't really been. No, um, Adenobi's out for the next three weeks with uh, with elbow issues. Um, they picked up some shooting yesterday. You know, they got Alex Burks and um, one of the Bojanoviches. Yeah. So you know, so <laughs> the yeah, one of them. People always say like, "Oh yeah, you get the shooting, you get the shooting," but it's like, how much you really gonna run that shooting out there just for shooting? Like, yo, I need you to go out there just to shoot. I need you to I play think, defense no, too. I don't so think like sometimes it. I, I think, think it's like people say, "Oh, you got a shooter." Like, I don't think that. Cool. I don't think that's it, though. I think you just want you need the shooters to spread the floor, like you know what I mean, to create lanes for people like Brunson and Josh Hart to get to the cup. Like you know that, like that's what we talk about with the Lakers. It's not necessarily that the Lakers miss a lot of threes or whatever the case may be. It's just that they don't have threats to make the threes, so you can collapse. You know, yeah. and, and and you know, so with the Knicks, with Bodanovich, if you have him out there with Brunson, you know, uh, with um, with Adenobi, you know, Adenobi can be your de, de facto Kawhi kind of guy who's not a point guard, but he can handle the ball well enough for the floor to open up. And if it's not yeah. there, he's quick enough to get to the basket. You know, the yeah, problem just, is going to be. The problem yeah, is going to be when Julius Randle gets back. That's going to be the problem because he's just going to clog it back up. He's going to clog it up, and then I'm not sure. Out after, I'm gonna give the Knicks their due because they are whole, like they're collecting. You know, they have you know, like you said, like Randle and Anobi are out, but they don't have anybody like their core guy. 
you know, similar to like 76ers and beats out. Right. For we're looking, like I said, our math was like 12, 15, 18 games. So we're in that range. And it might be more. That's just when they're going to reevaluate them. That's when they're going to reevaluate. So we right. yeah, we pushed out to six weeks. So that got us, you know, three average like yeah. three games a week by 18 yeah. games. And, and that's why weeks. that's why I think they feel pretty good about it because I don't think they make the I think one deal. I think one through four in the east feels good about their where they're sitting. I think five through eight are comfortable. I think the 76ers are comfortable because I mean best case scenario, you drop the six, or worst case scenario, you drop the six. You're already at 30, 30 and 21. You get Maxi going, you get you know, Buddy Hill going, and you know, you just win some scrappy game, you know, real, real Philadelphia style, real tough, you know, drawn out games, rebound, play hard, play tough defense, timely shots, and you, you steal a few games. You know, you, you still got some cupcakes on your schedule. Like, you'll get the game, you'll get some Hornets games, you'll get a couple of Wizards games, you'll get a couple of Pistons games, just mix in there. So, you'll, you'll get about six to eight potential gimmies. Right. If you come out there and play, you know, your your B game. Right. You know, you play hard, but you don't like you're you only get like 97, 98 points. You're probably still gonna beat the Hornets, Wizards, Pistons, maybe even the Raptors with that kind of an output. So that's the luxury right. you have in the East. Um, but like I said, the I can see why teams didn't make a lot of moves. Um, like if you just look at the top four teams in the West, 36 wins, 36 wins, 35, 34. I believe GMs looked around and was like, we are in the mix. Well, now think, you're, probably gonna, you're gonna see a lot of low management though. That's well, what I we're think, gonna see. I think a lot Minnesota, of. I think Minnesota addressed something that they needed. They needed a backup point guard, someone else to take the load off of Mike Conley. They got Monte Morris. You know, he's been injured most of this year, but he's back now. You know, he just provides another ball handler. Um, I look at Dallas. You brought up Dallas. Um, I do like Daniel Gafford. You know, um, he's just another defensive center that can get you, you know, eight to ten points. You know, you don't need anything crazy because he's probably going to be coming off the bench behind Lively anyway. So you don't yeah. need anything crazy. You just need solid minutes, especially if Lightly gets in foul trouble. Uh, but where they upgraded was getting P.J. Washington over Grant Williams because I feel Joe Missoula killed Grant Williams. Like Grant Williams two years ago had a really good season, was shooting 41% from three. He was not necessarily breaking out or anything like that. But he was becoming a solid piece, a solid rotational piece that would prove valuable in the playoffs because he played some defense. He that was, was a front he, office call. You know, he had tenacity. It probably was to save that money. But to save uh, that money because if the way he played two years ago, they talked about it a lot. Like Grant Williams is due for a contract extension at the next season. If he keeps playing like this, he's gonna and and I think they were like, We can't pay him and Jalen. Right. So check. He, was, he was essentially out of the rotation a lot of times. And then he got in the game and he kept poking Jimmy Butler. So that right. probably didn't help. <laughs> so he check. Do something. He was like, I, I'm, I'm barely getting out here. I got to do something. So three-point shooting fluctuates. You know what I mean? Like one year you might be 38%, then you hit a 42 or something. You know, so two years ago, you know, 
Since then, his three-point percentage has dropped. It dropped last year as well. But since then, it's dropped four percentage points. But that's not even the key here. His two-point percentage is down 8.3% from that season two seasons ago. Well, so, last year, he didn't. He wasn't allowed to get in the rhythm. Well, last year, he was just allowed to shoot threes, I think. Like, you know. <laughs> he, 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 like, I remember watching a lot of Boston games, like, you know, because we were, you know, we were doing this. I was just watching these games. And I was thinking, like, yo, hold up, real Derek, quick, real quick. Derek White that? was on the floor a lot. The Lakers with eighty-three points in the first half. What? How about that? They they scored fifty in the second quarter. <laughs> the score is eighty-three to seventy-four with fifty-seven seconds left in the first half. My stream stopped at the D-Lo got hot. Yeah, like eighty-five points. And hey, hold up, Achibora. Uh, the AD, yeah, 85. There you go. 85 points with 43 seconds left in the first half. Now watch they finish with like 120 or something. But uh <laughs> but uh but yeah, so Grant so they had to get off of Grant Williams just because he wasn't providing what they paid him to provide. So I don't know if PJ Washington is gonna do that much better, but he will be better. And I don't think 87 Dallas 87 points. 87, yep. <laughs> and, and to, and to your point, to your point. This is uh, comical. I know. To, but to your point. Uh, Dallas isn't necessarily in need of a dude to come out and put up 25 a game or whatever. You know, they got Luka and Kyrie. You know, Tim Hardaway can get hot and get you 19 points. You know, so they're fine offensively, but I think they just need somebody that has their head in the game. They need a and real identity. It seems like that's always a problem. With it Dallas. seems like they're just grabbing players. Like they just like, like they just put dudes out there with shorts and and Luca. It's like it's like hey Luca, look, Luca we, shoes. Like look, Luca, we made a trade. What do you mean we're not putting pieces? What we're not building around you? I just got somebody. They're like this dude was in line to get popcorn. He's six seven. Yeah, like we need that, you know. And then uh, Toronto giving up a first round pick for a thirty two year old backup center. Is it protected? I don't believe so. But it's your boy. Your boy, Kelly O. Missed ripped Kevin Love's yeah, they, arm out of socket and ruined it. Just, I guess the Raptors should have just got Wiggins. They're trying to put a Canadian team together or something. You know, like once they're another one of those teams that just seems to be making moves. Like you could realistically... And I know sometimes it just like I was, we're watching a Charlotte, like we're watching a Charlotte Milwaukee game. Yeah. Um, when I got back from Demolition. from from the store, <laughs> and it was all backups. You know, like Giannis' the little brother was out there, and then it was a bunch of other dudes, and they were dribbling, and it looked the part until they fire off that three from twenty five feet. And it was like. <laughs> Like, is it that bad? Because I, I ask this question all the time. It's like the dude at the end of the bench, 6'10", 6'11", NBA player, how come you never in the game and then they all get in the game? And it's like, this doesn't look the same. Right. And I think some of the G League starters will probably been better. Like, you're probably better off, instead of making a trade for Olenek, check your the G League availability. Raptors your, 905, your, baby. 
yeah. your team's affiliate and see if you can pull a guy up and get him some run. Yeah, because they're not making the playoffs anyway. You're not making the playoffs. And then maybe you get him some run. You get him some, you get, get a little buzz. And like before the trade deadline, maybe you move his rights or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how the logistics of that work. I was trying to figure out why. But they just move. keep, like people keep trading for Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, then they waived them. So it like, sounds it, like, like, why is he? It's like, if I'm him, I'm like, man, I don't even know if I want to be in this league. Well, it sounds like he's going to be, it sounds like uh, the leader right now, the thought is he's going to be a Laker. So we'll That's see. That's always a thought. He's probably going to end up in Phoenix. You know, but I was going to ask you about Phoenix. So they went out and got Royce O'Neal. What do you think about that? I mean, you need a, was it they called your 3 and D guy? Yeah. They, they, they just need some more. They need people who can save Kevin Durant and Beal and Booker from just having to put out effort every single possession. Mm-hmm. You know, you need you need a guy that allows these guys to take a break on the floor, mm-hmm. like in action. Look, like LeBron did it a lot. Uh, Steph never does does it. Clay kind of does it every once in a while. Draymond does it when he just kind of just well, Clay been taking there. a break all season, ain't he? Like staying there, just kind of pass the ball around, just kind of like that. You know, just the that's I'm out here, but I'm taking a break offensively. Kyrie allowed LeBron to do that a lot in Cleveland, mm-hmm. where he would just go stand in the corner. Right, and you can't leave him because he's LeBron. Right. But he's literally like, I'm not exhausting any energy. He probably could have got a cup of water <laughs> from the bench because he just was staying in the corner. Yeah. I think Luca probably should do something like that every once in a while and just let Kyrie do his thing, like it would stay completely out of the way. Take this, take these next two or three possessions off, make it look less obvious, but save you, save your energy. And I think yeah. that's what you know, Royce O'Neal does. Is like he gives to- them the opportunity where they don't have to defend. The other guy, like they can fight, they can just you know, instead of switching the screen, they can just let them fight through it instead of having Kevin Durant have the guard. You know, like when they put when D'Angelo Russell calls him up for the screen or whatever, like LeBron, like you know, Katie doesn't have to switch onto him, like everybody just stay out there on him. I don't feel like dealing with this dude who's going to shoot from 27 feet anyway. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what the Bulls. I mean, I, I do this every year, try to figure out what the Bulls are doing. You know, they the Rosen's a free agent. They haven't done anything since 2021 at the trade deadline. Yeah, he's a free agent. They didn't trade him. You know, um, Caruso allegedly, rumors were like Caruso would have brought you back multiple draft picks. You know, there was uh, first round draft picks. There were some teams, there were some teams interested in Andre Drummond. And they were just like, no, we'll just stay as is, you know, like um, they're gonna pay, they're gonna pay, they're gonna pay to stay where they are. I think they moved Levine this summer. I think they paid DeRozan. Whatever his NBA PA time frame, you know, like they have like yeah. oh, you're at this age, you sign this many, whatever that is. I think they're probably potentially max that out. <coughs> and then uh you liked uh you liked Pat Bev the Milwaukee, right? I like Pat Bev anywhere. Like you can trade Pat Bev to the 49ers, and I think it's a good move just because I think he'll give you something. Oh, no matter where you for the 49ers, I definitely feel more confident about my Super Bowl pick. I mean, if he was playing like like running back for the Chiefs, I'm like, okay, yeah, that dude will run through a brick wall. But like it's just <laughs> just one of those guys. He just he's just a guy you like. Uh I I didn't I remember for a while I didn't like him because I thought it was like a stick. I thought it was an act. No, that's him. Like, 
And then as more and more, because he's he gets traded to all these prominent. I mean, he's been in LA, the Sixers. You remember when he won the championship in the play-in in Minnesota? Like <laughs> he just then watching his podcast now, like him and the dynamic with it with his host. I just I just like him. I just I just think he's I just, I don't know why he's always a piece that moves like him Spencer because Ray he's Brady. little. And he's a personality, and you know what I mean. Like it's like you said, it's all about three and D to some degree. And he's got the D, he ain't got the three. Pause. You know what I mean. But um, but as I look at Milwaukee, I felt that they needed um, a wing defender. You know, I think they needed somebody that can switch positions. So to pause. You know, switch positions and everything. And so Pat Beverly can't go guard like. I mean, he could stand next to Al Horford, you know what I mean? But if Al Horford comes into the post, there ain't no need for Patrick Beverly right there. But I think Pat Bev, I think he's one of those guys that I think he gets every ounce of basketball out of his frame. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And sometimes that's all you really need. You know, like. That court was already small, which is part of their defensive problems. And he's smaller than Dan. Effort. You know, and defense is effort, man. Like so Doc Rivers, small. Yo, Glenn. You know, what I'm saying if you listening out there, you know what I mean. Andre Jackson, give him some minutes. Your defense will slightly improve. That's what I'm saying. Like you got it. There has to be dudes on your roster. There are that can do what, and unless it's that difficult to wear. These guys are thinking a, a, a half second behind, and it's costing you points when you look at the film. It's like we can't have him out there because he looks. But that also lady. comes with time, though. They ain't going to fix it by sitting on the bench. Like, but that, but that's how that's how some of these coaches are. Like Doc Rivers, Larry Brown. You know, they just don't play the rookies. They just, for whatever reason, they just stick with their vets. That's who they trust. Which I mean, it makes sense to trust a veteran, I guess. I. I think putting vets and rookies together is best because you can just you can give minor responsibilities to the rookies and let them master it. The vets know everything that's going on. Right. Like I thought this when when uh Andrew Wiggins got traded for Kevin Love, I was thinking like LeBron, use that young guy's athleticism it could be your pippin absolutely with Kyrie that's what I thought and I, I still even though they won a championship I still, I still feel that way today that's I feel like that would have been they would I they would have been in the finals that year they would have still I, made all the finals that they, they would have made all the finals they made and Wiggins would have just got better Wiggins would have Wiggins would have been able to guard Steph mm-hmm well Wiggins. I mean I mean hey to be fair to be, fair, play. to be fair, Delavadova guarded Steph. <laughs> Delavadova was in uh like I watched J.R. Smith talk about it. He was like, Man, the dude almost died guarding. Yeah, he Steph. almost died. He had to go get IVs. Yeah, he was like said he was in the ice bath getting IVs, like just but with that, you could if you would have had Andrew Wiggins, maybe you put Delavadova on clay for a few possessions where he just right. has to just Worry about the one drew a pull up, and, and that's the thing Andrew about Wiggins. Steph too. Like they were trying to call him like the Steph stopper. Like 
there is no Steph stopper. Like he just yeah. either makes shots or he doesn't. Like remember when uh Ruben Patterson was the Kobe stopper? Yeah. It's like go sit and then he and then Kobe went and dropped 45 on him. But uh yeah. what do you think about uh Gordon Hayward to OKC? I like it. I like veterans. I'm a big fan of Gordon Hayward ever since he was at Butler. Uh talked about the sports science. If that shot was an inch lower, yeah. They beat Duke in the national championship game. Um, then of course Butler goes back playing the jazz. I just think I just think he's one of those guys that's like he's a pro's pro, a vet real locker room guy, you know, <laughs> all the cliches. I just think it's a good move. I, th- I think that allows OKC. I think it brings in a level-headed veteran, someone who understands the game, someone who's played like, a lot. It's like of, having a coach in the locker room with you. Yes, all the time. Guys, yeah. not he'll play whatever amount of minutes you're going to give him, and he'll play him hard or play him well. He'll play defense. He'll play you know, defense he'll, or rebound. He'll, he'll he provides shooting. He provides more ball handling to free up Shea a little bit. And, you know, like I think I like the fit. The problem is he can't stay on the damn court. Like, he hasn't even played since December 26th. Well, I mean, he is old. Yo, Dame is shooting from 30 feet like it's nothing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but so, yeah, yeah I, I like it. But, I, like, I was I like, telling I like you. like the young team as a, as a vet that's not going to, you know, stunt any of the growth of the, of the young guys. I yeah, like, but, but like I was, bad. I think he'll be good for J Dub too. You know, what I'm saying like, uh, but 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 I think like, I, so I do like that stuff about it. But like I told you in our pre meeting, I think I would have liked it better if OKC would have got a bigger body, like a Xavier Tillman or somebody along those lines, because of their how bad they are on the boards. So when they get to the playoffs, that's going to be their Achilles' heel. It's not going to be. I mean, they're not that great at defense, but. That's not going to be what's burying them. It's going to be the second chance points that they're going to be giving up. But I, like I said, if if you're if you're a GM and you're looking around, the league is like, can my team not outscore this other team? I think so many teams probably feel like, yeah, my my team can outscore these guys because they're just it's just not that the three point shooting. How many teams are shooting the ball well from three? Like a lot of teams are just they're getting going inside. We, we watch San Antonio, seven foot four guy out there jacking up threes, Chet out there shooting threes. It's like I think once it boils down to it, people looked at the post all star break, low management, keep it close, keep it tight, don't let anyone get too much space from you, keep Denver in your sights. You know, if 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 you're Minnesota, you watch Denver. Are they resting guys? Should we rest the guys? Should we, you know, just like that kind of thing. Like, do we, do we play all of our guys so we can get a two game lead because they're resting their guys. And I I just think that because no one's really separated themselves other than Boston, but like I said, Boston's history hasn't really shown that they can completely run away with it. Like you can get them in the Eastern conference finals. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, they'll they'll get to Easton's conference finals because it's just talent. Like the the Hawks series last year should have been a sweep. They won six games. So I think teams out in the East probably like yo, we can get these dudes if we handle our business to get to the Eastern conference finals. If we right. position ourselves where we can get them, 
you know, if we can get them in the second, you know, second round or in, in the East Conference Finals, I think we can we can we can win that matchup. I believe I believe a lot of teams felt that way. You could tell by the moves. Not that many teams made moves, right? So, so like I mean, that, yeah, that swing those swing for the fence moves. It's like, nah, I think I think we're I think we're sitting good. I think every well, team like for the Indiana. most part looked around. It was like, I think we're sitting pretty good. We can make a run come April. I like Indiana. You know, they gave up Buddy Hill, but they got Marcus Morris's expiring contract. You know, they waived um, Cork Moss, and they uh, that frees up minutes for Matherin. You know, who just scored yeah. thirty-one the other night. You know, um, Aaron Neesmith has been playing great this season. You know, for what his role is, and then I feel like bringing back Dougie McBuckets. You know, might be the underrated move of the day. That's that's a guy like that that Cal Corver kind of player. Mm-hmm. I don't know why more teams don't have that six eight, six seven, six eight spot up shooter. Yeah, I mean, I might like him and heal together though. Like you know, what I mean? <laughs> because like when you're when you're that big, you're such a threat. Just you got to you're a decent rebounder. If you're a decent rebounder, six eight, like you you can get you get some rebounds. You know, three or four. And you can shoot the ball. You put pressure on the defense because I got to put a guy out there of some size to match up with you. Right. Even if it's not my best defender, I might have to put a guy out there that might not be as quick as you, might right. not be as big as you. So, but I got to have him out there. I can't like we talk about Pat Bev. I can't just run Pat Bev at Cal Corver all game or you know those kind of those kind of shooters, those six seven, six nine three point shooters, like guys right. that don't dribble a lot. You know those catch and shoot guys, like your uh, Michael Porter Jr. kind of players. Like I just don't know why more teams don't go because those guys are available. I know Michael Porter Jr. before he signed that contract, he was probably you probably could have gotten him for you know a player in the first yeah, round. Yeah, he had the injuries and everything. You know he he wasn't commanding what he ended up getting paid. Yeah. So so yeah, but that's that's the difference between. Winning championships, I guess, and being the Chicago Bulls is that you got to take the risk every now and again. You know, like I know, no pun intended, I know you have to use logic, you know what I mean? True, but, true. But no one has ever been successful without taking risk. I think Chicago, like the, the, the quote that I read, it was like they were deciding whether they were going to enter a rebuild or go forward with the team that they had. So no. I think they must feel like they, like, I think it was the team president. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, they were, the, they were the figuring out, okay, are we in the middle? Are we going to go rebuild or are we going to do something else? So I, I have a feeling that they're going to put themselves in a position to try to land one of these big free agents this, this summer, or maybe trade for one, get Levine out of there, get him healthy, get him out of there. Probably, like I said, resign. Demar, because we you talked about it earlier, like the the quote you heard on another podcast about the CBA. I think the the play the owners are starting to get their leverage back on the players. Mm-hmm. The superstar is going to get the crazy money. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are going to get that crazy. You're not going to be able to get three, right? You're not going to get three, so I don't want you trying to make a demand for me to go get this third guy because it's like I we can't pay all of you. Right. Yeah. So you know, uh but yeah, we're starting this second half with the Lakers and the 
Pelicans. I, you know, it's, it's so hard after all these years. Like, I still want to, when I see New Orleans, I still want to say the Hornets. Really? Yeah, like I almost said it just now. That's why I had to pause for a second. Like I didn't call them the Hornets when they were in New Orleans. <laughs> I was, I think Hornets. I think Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, Alonzo Mourning, Curry, Muggsy, Glenn Rice. Oh, Muggsy Bowles, come on, like Baltimore, baby, Baltimore, five uh, foot three in the league. PJ Brown, you know uh, David Wesley. Yo, but he but he ended up playing for the when, they, when they went down to New Orleans. That's oh, why yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Him and David West. So those those are the New Orleans Hornets. You know, David I, I didn't recognize them. Yeah. yeah they had I, didn't, yeah. I didn't recognize like so oh, they I were always one. Charlotte to me. That's why when they was called the Charlotte Bobcats, I'm like, I, I didn't call them the Bobcats. Kendall Gill, Bobby uh yo, she you know about Kendall Gill, Villanova, right? Uh no, Kendall Gill went to Illinois. No. Yeah. Yeah, he went to Illinois. <laughs> did he play with the Nets? He did. Okay, that's 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 what I'm thinking. I knew he was like somewhere in this this region when I was growing up. Yeah, he went to Illinois. He was on their Final Four team. Um, back in the eighty late eighties. Um, yeah, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, Bobby Fills and. You know, they had the whole crew, you know, like the best uniforms in the league at the time. You know what I'm saying? Before Orlando came through with the pinstripes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Especially, oh, when Orlando came out with the blue joints, though. Orlando with, with Penny? Yeah, when they came out with, when they had the blue alternate. Because before they just used to wear the white or the black. And then white or black when they, hit they it came the out with that blue, that joint was fire. That's when the phone posits hit. That was supposed to be Scottish Pippen's shoe. Yeah, I remember he had them big ugly shoes with the big ass arrow. arrow. Those yeah. came back for a little buzz. Yeah, because people are sick. That's why. <laughs> but yo, I am sick whenever sports reports is ordered is not around. So I know how y'all feel. I know how your grandma feels. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yo, programming note. You know what I'm saying? We'll be back on Monday. We'll see Super about recap. Yeah, we'll have to see about Thursday because I got my kid in track now, so I'll keep you posted, you know. But, you know, say at least Thursday or Friday, one or the other. We'll see. But have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Drive you know, safe. Don't, Don't be out here drinking and driving. Get a have ride. A plan. Have a plan. That's Stick right. to that plan. That's real Call talk. if you got to. You know what I'm saying? Yo, uh, Uber is $50. That's that's $9,950 cheaper than a DUI. There you go. way better than going to jail. See the logic? See Stay the healthy. Logic? That's why we Stay call healthy. him Mr. Logic. <laughs> and I am 2-5. Like, subscribe, share, all that stuff. Tell Granny we said, hey. And we'll see you in a few days. We love you. We not coming back. Peace. Take that off the options. Retired Out. people not coming back. No more PT test. We not doing it. <laughs> we <Yes>. out. <laughs> <laughs>